Welcome to Hope Assembly of God Online. We believe no matter the journey, there is always hope. This is a recording of our live Sunday sermon, unedited, uncut, real. We're going to be uh, looking at Acts chapter 12 this morning as we work our way through the book of Acts. Uh, I only have a couple more weeks that we're going to spend in the book of Acts, but this is one of my favorite passages in, in all of Scripture and the, the truth that is in it. It's probably the passage that I have, have spoken on the most. Uh, e- even when I speak at other churches and things, a lot of times I'll talk about some of the principles here in this, in this passage and in this chapter. Uh, what I'm going to share with you today, I've, I've wrestled with. Because what I'm going to talk about is it's hard for all of us. And I'm going to use this term often in surrender. Surrendering to the known will of God and surrendering to the seemingly unknown will of God. And it's really that idea of surrender that makes the difference in our walk with the Lord. I was talking with a friend of mine uh, several weeks ago uh, about a a relative that had come forward to uh, get saved and, you know, now they're not serving the Lord at all and want nothing to do with the Lord. And gently I said it. I didn't say it like I'm going to tell you. But there's a difference between wanting to be saved to stay out of hell and surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. And it's really that surrendering that makes a difference because salvation is not a get-out-of-hell-free pass. First of all, it's not free. Jesus paid dearly with his life for it. And second of all, Serving Jesus is more than just about staying out of hell. It's about surrendering to his will and his ways, whether we understand it or we don't. And how many know that there's a lot of things that happen in our lives we don't understand? I I tell people I know less now than I've ever known in my life. The older I get, the more experience I have, the less I know and the less I understand. But where I want to be and what I want to be happening in my life, this is where I'm telling you I've wrestled with this, is I want to be more surrendered to Jesus. I want to give up more control of my life and not less. Because in warfare, surrender signals defeat. But with Jesus, surrender is victory. If we want to have victory in areas of our life, we have to surrender those areas to God and let him work. Whether we know what's going on or we don't know what's going on, that's surrender. And we're going to see this in the Apostle Peter's life today. The other part of surrendering is, is that it helps us with fears. There are some healthy fears, like watching to make sure your children, grandchildren don't run across the street. That's a healthy fear. Okay? There are other fears that are worse, that you never leave the house again because you're afraid of anything and everything that will happen. Now, I don't know if you know this. You, you, you probably do. Some, a lot of the new people wouldn't. But I went through a, a time in my life where I was, um, I could only go to my house and to the office, that I couldn't go outside of the radius of what in my mind was my comfort zone. I couldn't go to hospitals to visit. I couldn't go out to eat. I couldn't do any of that. So strong was this anxiety in my life, and I still deal with some of that. I'm still not a great traveler, but at least I can leave the house. <laughs> I don't know if any of you have ever experienced that before, but it's, it's brutal. It's brutal. Through that time, 
I learned to, that God was still with me on my worst day. And I learned that it's okay not to be okay every day. That the depth of God's love is so great for me, so his love for me, the depth of his love, that even at my deepest and lowest points, he was there. He was there. I learned about surrendering. And you know what? I still don't have it. <laughs> I'm still working on this surrendering thing. Because you know why? Because I like to be in control. I like to do what I want when I want, do what I want to do when I want to do it. Surrender. But surrender is what ushers in victory in our lives. It helps us to overcome fear. It helps us to overcome anxiety of things that we're concerned about, of projecting too far out in the future. Again, I, you know, it's something I end up dealing with, but I, I would imagine that we all have these things. We, we live a lot of what if. Well, what if this happens in the future? And what if this happens in the future? Well, we can't live in the what if. We have to live in the what is. Okay? Now think on that. We have to break the cycle of what if and focus on what is. And we start with the what is, is that God loves us. He pr He loves us on, us on our worst days. He loves us the same on our best days. We start with that. that what, that's what is. God loves us. And then we go from there. Not what if. Well, we've been through, you know, uh, unprecedented times for us in our generation through the pandemic. And I don't know what's going to happen into the future, but... Lifeway Research, which is a branch of the Southern Baptist, did this research during the COVID time. And the number one emotion that people were experiencing was fear. Okay? Now, you might think, oh, that's, that's obvious. But a year previous to, to the pandemic, it was shame and guilt was the number one emotion. But because of COVID, it then became fear being the number one emo emotion. And we've all dealt with it because we don't know what's going on. Somebody posted this on Facebook that I liked, and it's, it's, it's a great thought. And then I'm going to get into the word here. In 2000, Y2K is going to destroy everything. In 2001, anthrax, anthrax is going to kill us all. In 2002, the West Nile virus is going to kill everyone. 2003, SARS is going to kill us all. Do you see a, a pattern here? The 2005, the bird flu is going to kill us all. In 2006, it's E. coli. E. coli is going to wipe out the human population. 2008, the financial collapse is going to kill us and destroy all of us. 2009, the swine flu, that's the one that's going to do us in. 2012, the Mayan calendar predicts the world ending. 2013, North Korea is going to cause World War III. 2014, Ebola virus is going to kill everyone. 2015, ISIS is now going to kill everyone. In 2016, Zika virus is going to kill everyone. In 2020, the coronavirus is going to kill us all. The truth is fear is what's going to kill you. And if it doesn't kill you physically, it will make you stop living. 
fear will make you stop living. And that's even sadder than death. I want to live while I'm alive. I want to live while I'm alive. I want to enjoy all that God has given and all that he has blessed me and blessed us in. But if you let fear come in, then you're going to die before you die. Let's live while we're alive. How about that? All right. So here's the story in Acts chapter 12. I love it because it's, it's miraculous and it's such a great story. Uh, you can follow along. I'm going to move quickly. I have another confession to make. You know, I just tell you whatever I'm thinking for the most part. I got new prescription on my glasses, and I'm going to have to make the words bigger again on my notes because I'm having trouble seeing these bad boys. Uh, I have progressive lenses. You know what those are? They used to call them bifocals, but that hurt people's feelings. <laughs> How many have had them so long that you could still see the line? Remember that? There was a line there, and I didn't have those. I have progressives now, and I still have to get used to looking down. Uh, I can see out pretty well, uh, but looking down. So if you see me doing this or even lifting my glasses and doing this, it just it's, it is what it is. Okay, so chapter 12, verse 1. About this time, King Herod, was, was, he, he arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Now, Herod is a title. It's not just one person. Herod the Great was the one that ordered the death of the babies in Jesus' time. Herod Antipas, he was the one that had John the Baptist beheaded. Herod Agrippa, that's this one, is the one in Acts chapter 12. He was the grandson of Herod the Great, and it seems like all these Herods were, were bad. And so he wanted to gain favor with the, the Jewish community and the religious leaders at that time. And so he had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. He tried to get on the good side, and so he decided that he would take one of the pillars of the early church, one of the inner circle of Jesus, Peter, James, and John, that he would take James and have him killed, thinking that if he killed one of the main leaders of the early church, then the church would stop. What he didn't know that the real leader of the church had already been killed, but rose again on the third day and is now seated at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly realms for all eternity. That the real leader of the church is unstoppable. And Herod is not going to stop him. There was no trial for James. There was no chance, no opportunity to defend himself. He just took him and had him killed. It must have been a terribly sad day in the church. Verse 3, when he saw that this pleased the Jews, uh, he proceeded to seize Peter. So now he's on to the second pillar. Peter probably, in essence, was the leader of the apostles during this time. And this happened during the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And so because this martyrdom, because of this death of James, pleased the people he was trying to please, he thought, well, let me carry it a step further. Let's grab Peter too, but I'm not going to kill him till after the Passover because that's going to cause more, more problems. So he had him arrested because he thought if he wiped out two-thirds of the pillars of the New Testament church, two-thirds of the leaders of the New Testament church, that would stop the church from going forward. What Herod didn't realize is that the real leader of the church had already been killed and rose again 
and ascended to the right hand of the Father and his enemies have been made his footstool where he will rule and reign for all eternity. I keep saying this in the background of everything because if you don't get in the background of everything, Jesus is alive and well and he loves you, then you're not going to get any of this. So after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Now, Peter was the big fish at the time. He was the leader of this messianic movement. So they decided to have four squads. So at each shift, they would have four fresh uh, trained soldiers. Two would guard the door and two would be chained to Peter. And not only that, but they put him in a prison in the inner court, the inner part of the palace. And so in the natural sense, it was impossible for Peter to be delivered. But watch, this is a key verse in verse 5. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying for him. And this is what struck me when we do these little pieces of paper. You know what? We all need prayer, and we all need to be praying for others. We all need prayer. We all need to be praying for others. And that's really the goal of this. So here's Peter kept in prison. James had already been killed. They thought Peter's next. We don't know what to do. We don't have the physical power to overcome Herod and the armies. What power do we have? Watch, a greater power. It's a spiritual power. And you know, it's time that uh, uh, us as believers give up on worldly power and tap in to the power of God through prayer. In my time, in my generation, we've spent infinitely too much money on politics thinking that some politician is going to change everything. There's only one person that's going to change everything and his name is Jesus and we've been given the privilege, the honor, and the responsibility to proclaim Jesus ahead of any other politician. Amen. Jesus is the answer. So they prayed. They prayed earnestly. What that means is they stretched its mus- their muscles to the limit. They were praying hard for God to work and move in this situation. That word uh, earnestly is the same word that was used when Jesus was praying in the garden, being in agony. He was praying very fervently. Same word. Same word. And his sweat alone, or his sweat became like drops of blood falling down on the ground. They were praying, in, in essence, as hard as they could for God to deliver Peter. It was a pivotal moment in the church when they were, had to decide, are we going to keep trusting God or are we going to sit around wondering why James was killed? Do we know why James was killed other than he was a follower of Jesus? No. Do we know why God allowed that to happen? No. This is where I'm talking about surrendering to the unknown will of God. We just don't know. And there's a lot of I don't know in life. And until we can surrender the I don't knows to God, we're not fully surrendered. Because in the unknown, we try to control the uncontrollable. And guess what that breeds in our lives? Fear and anxiety. Because we can try to control what we can't. Listen, do the best you can. Here's what the end of this little thing about everything's going to kill us. It says this at the end. The truth is fear is going to kill, kill you. Turn off the TV, amen, and wash your hands. <laughs> do what you can and let God take care of what only he can. 
Do what you can and let God take care of what only he can. And so they prayed. You can answer that, whoever's getting a call. Who's getting a call? Is it for me? Sorry. It happens. It happens. Frank, was it you? You don't have a phone? No wonder, no wonder I could never get a hold of you. Goodness sakes. Boy, oh boy. The, I'm sorry to embarrass anyone. I've had my cell phone go off too. Pastor Leo used to preach when he was here with his cell phone on. And I always wanted to sit in the back of the church and text him or call him while he was preaching. But I didn't want to interfere with the word of God. Uh, but now that he's in Cape May, I might do it because he would really never know uh, what happened. Anyway, okay, let me get back to this. Get back to this. So here he was in an impossible situation. Uh, guards, chains, the whole thing. Verse 7, suddenly... That's often used in Acts. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him up. Quick, get up, he said, and the chains fell off of Peter's wrists. This was another thing that got me this week. Peter was sleeping so soundly that the angel had to hit him hard to wake him up. And I've given a title to that kind of sleep, surrendered sleep. Surrendered sleep. Peter had come to the point in his life, remember he was afraid of the servant girl and he denied Jesus three times. But when he surrendered to Jesus and God's known will and God's unknown will, here he is in prison thinking for sure he's going to die and he's sleeping so soundly that God had to send a literal angel to hit him to wake him up. That's surrendered sleep. Anybody ever try to fall asleep and your mind wanders and you just can't? You just can't shut it down. Surrender. That thing that's keeping you up at night, surrender. Do what you can. Wash your hands <laughs> and surrender to the unknown will of God. I love that Peter was sleeping through all of this. It reminds me of Jesus when the storm hit. Jesus was sleeping through the storm. They had to shake him and wake him up. Here's Peter about to die in an impossible situation in the inner part of the palace prison. Two guards chained to him, two train guards at the door. He wasn't getting out. When he fell asleep, he wasn't getting out. When he woke up, he knew something was going on. So miraculous was it that happened that an angel came to him and led him out. They walked past the guards, and then they got to the gate, and the gate opened like open sesame, they didn't even touch it, and the gate opened. He thought, okay, I've gone crazy, or I'm seeing a vision. He thought for sure he was. So the angel leads him out, tells him what to do, and then all of a sudden, he realizes this is not a vision. This is a miracle. This is a miracle that has happened. Verse 11, then Peter came to himself and said, now I know without a doubt that the Lord sent his angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were anticipating. He had been miraculously delivered from the hand of Herod by the hand of God. He had been miraculously delivered from the hand of Herod by the hand of God through the prayers of God's people. One person said this, the angel fetched Peter, but prayer fetched the angel. 
God responded to the prayers of the people. Again, they were at a pivotal point in time where they could either, either reject Jesus because things had gotten too difficult or they could surrender to Jesus and take all of their needs to him and let God be God. They chose to let God be God. Verse 12, this is funny. There's a lot of humor in this. When this had dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark. That's the gospel writer. Uh, where many people had gathered and were praying. So they were still praying earnestly. Peter knocked at the outer entrance, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to answer the door. Verse 14, when she recognized Peter's voice, okay, so she knew they were used to meeting at Mary's house. I'm sure she had a nice spread of, I'm not going to get into food, but I'm pretty sure it was spaghetti and meatballs. I don't know. That's what I'm sensing. Do you get this from this passage? If you read between the lines and you walked into the house, the first thing you smelled was garlic bread. That's what, that was what was happening here. That's how he knew he was getting close to Mary's house. And then, oh, and then he smelled the sauce. And he thought, oh, if Mary made it, not only is she going to have meatballs, but she's going to have sausage and pork. And maybe it's a special day she'll have made brajol to the glory of God. How many know what brajol is? How many know that good brajol is taken down from the throne room of God and placed before us? It's true. It's true. So Rhoda was so excited, she knew his voice, but she never opened the door. She ran back and exclaimed, Peter's at the door, and they say to her, this is after praying earnestly for Peter to be delivered, they say, you're out of your mind. That's impossible. When she kept insisting that it was so, uh, they said, well, it must be his angel. Because why? Because in my past, James died. And so why would I expect God to do something now? Don't we have those situations in our life that we look back and we say, you know, God didn't answer that prayer. Is he going to answer this one? But surrender says, I don't know why it happened the way that it happened. But I surrender to the sovereignty of God because he knows more than I do. And I'm going to keep doing what he tells me to do. Keep serving, keep praying, even when I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Now watch, prayer always doesn't always change our circumstances, but prayer always changes us. Prayer doesn't always change our circumstances. Not everybody's delivered miraculously from prison. There are still martyrs today, still. But prayer changes us. We begin to get God's perspective instead of our own perspective. We get, begin to move away from our own selfish needs to the needs of the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. So he goes to the door. She recognizes his voice, forgets to open the door, so excited, tells the people that have been praying earnestly, Peter's at the door, you're crazy, you're out of your mind. It must be his, an, an angel. And then... Um, because they said that because they felt that the power of Herod was too strong. And why? It takes us back here. Why did God allow James to be killed and yet Peter live? We don't know. And I'll say this again because I really want you to get this. We have to surrender to the known will of God. That's his word. That's the word of God. We know what God wants to obey his commands. But we also have to surrender to the unknown will of God. God, I don't know why my spouse died. 
God, I don't know why my children aren't serving you. God, I don't know why the doctor told me I had this disease. God, I, I don't know why my job, uh, I lost my job. God, I, 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 I don't know why that we're having such severe financial problems. God, I don't know why. But God, I trust you. And I'll serve you. Because when I was saved, it wasn't just a ticket to get out of hell free. I decided that I would surrender my life to you, the things I know and the things I don't know. And a surrendered heart is a healed heart because we don't have to have all the answers anymore. God, I have to know. You, you have to tell me. what. Well, first of all, God doesn't have to do anything. <laughs> Let's get that straight. Okay? He's God. Surrender says, Lord, I'll trust you in even what I don't understand. Saying the printer's, sinner's prayer is part of it, but surrendering to his will is what will carry us forward. This is why many don't come to Christ. This is because they don't want to surrender. This is why. I mean, if I can, and I know this relates to a lot, a lot of us, in our own family, uh, this is hard. This is hard. But I'm, I'm, this is from uh, compassion. Your grown children aren't serving the Lord because they don't want to. And all rebellion is rebellion against God. You can look at your life and say, well, I did this wrong and I did this wrong and I did this wrong. Guess what? We can all do that. But when your child is old enough to make their own decisions, they're not serving God because they don't want to serve God. Love them, pray for them, do what you can, and surrender them to God as well. And maybe that's even harder. Maybe it's even harder than surrendering our own lives to God, but surrendering our children, our grandchildren, our loved ones, our situations to God. But that's the only way you'll have peace. Other than that, you'll be tormented. You'll be in a prison. With two soldiers chained to you, fear and discouragement. Two soldiers at the door, doubt, desperation. The only way to be free is to surrender. Am I making sense here today? I've got so much going on in my head because I've been stewing on this for a couple weeks now. They teach you to preach like a rifle, one shot, and make sure that one shot hits the target, whatever the target is. I'm preaching like a shotgun today. It's just spreading out all over because there's a lot of different things because we all need something different. We all need something. And I, I prayed this, and I prayed this with our online service. God, just meet us where we're at. Whatever we need to hear, let us hear it and let us focus in on that one thing. All right. This is why people fall away from God, why they don't come to Christ, they don't want to surrender. Why they fall away is because they don't want to surrender to God and his will. There's a deep desire within all of us to be in control of every area of our life, but there's only one person that's in control of everything, and that's God, and you ain't him. Surrender says, God, you're in control. I'll surrender to what I know. I'll surrender to what I don't know and don't understand. 
So here's Peter. Rhoda left. Left him at the door. He's thinking, really? Really? Just get out of prison? You know who it is. And you didn't even open the door. So he keeps knocking on the door. Okay? Why didn't God open that door like he opened the gate? We don't know. Because that's what God wanted to do. I don't know. He keeps knocking. So he, 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 they finally go and open the door, and they saw it was him, and they were astonished. And they were so excited by all of that, they stopped eating their spaghetti and meatballs. They put their spoon down that they roll their spaghetti in. And there was a commotion. Some of you didn't get that at all, but that's okay. I'm going to keep preaching and wait for you to catch up. But uh, So he motioned for them to be quiet. There was such a commotion. He motioned for them to be quiet. I've got to tell you what happened here. And he goes on to explain what had happened to him, that God had miraculously delivered him, that while he was sleeping, God did the miraculous. While he was out of control, God did the miraculous. When he couldn't do anything to save himself, God saved him. Even when he was in chains, he was free. Even when he was in a situation that seemed impossible, he was free. Because he had long ago surrendered to the known and unknown will of God. So here he was, he tells them, and what a great celebration that must have been. Herod was disgraced. He moved out of Jerusalem and he went to Caesarea where he would ultimately die. Verse 20. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. This is Herod. They now joined together and sought an audience with him, having secured the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king. They asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for the food, their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people, and they shouted. Now watch this. They shouted, this is the voice of God and not of man. Here's the word immediately again. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms, and he died. Now, what's the point of all this? Your story's not over. Whatever you're going through now is just a chapter, a chapter in the book. And the last chapter of your life is the chapter that ushers you into eternity. And the last chapter of your life is the best because there will be no more pain and no more suffering and no more sorrow that we will be gathered around worshiping the lamb that set us free when we were in bondage that gave his life for us. But right now, the chapter you're living through is just a chapter. It's not the end. Because the chapter that we studied today began with James, with Herod in power, James being killed, and Peter in prison. But watch what happens here. James is dead. Peter's in prison. Herod is triumphing. But this chapter closes with Herod dead. Peter set free and the word of God triumphing. Verse 24, our theme verse for the day. But the word of God continued to increase and spread because the word of God is unstoppable. Unstoppable. Let me talk to you, and then we'll, we'll do the prayer, prayer thing here in a minute. As I was preparing this, and I knew what God, some of you are preachers, some of you have shared different ways and different things, but uh, 
there are times where I know exactly the, the sermon and I know exactly where we're going. There are times where I'm not sure and I just have to wait for God to speak to me. And there are times where I'm sure and I don't want to do it. This one falls under the I'm sure and didn't want to do it. And it's not, it's not because I didn't want to share it with you. It's because I didn't want to live it for my own life. But as I wrestled throughout the week with this, I sensed victory coming because surrendering to God always brings victory. It was like a breakthrough, breakthrough. There's victory coming, there's victory coming. Trust God, but I don't understand, I need to know. This is me, this is me now. I don't know, I don't understand, I, I, I don't. I Surrender, surrender, because victory's coming. So I'm gonna encourage you to do the same. That thing, that prayer request that keeps you up at night, surrender to God. Say, God, I'm just going to pray. That's what you're telling me to do. Do the right things. I'm going to do the known will of God, and I'm going to trust you in the unknown. Surrender to him. Let me pray for you. Lord, I think this spoke to all of our hearts today because we all have that same basic human thing that we want to be God, just like Adam and Eve. And we're saved, and you've set us free. But we haven't arrived at perfection yet. That's eternity. Now we struggle. We struggle with surrendering. We struggle, Lord. But I'm recommitting my life all over again today in front of everyone that, Lord, I want to surrender to you more and more and more in my life. Because I know that's when victory comes, when we surrender. Lord, the situations I can't control, I leave into your hands. Help me, Lord, to have a surrendered sleep, <laughs> resting in you and in your presence. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for listening to Hope Online Podcast. For more information about Hope Assembly of God, go to www.godgivesyouhope.com or download our app in the App Store.